This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here on San Diego Local Radio for over 28 years now. If you have an investment question or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, please give us a call at 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three, and as always, get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And Chase, good morning. How you doing? Morning, doing good. Well, since football season, quote unquote, a great game last night by Poway. So congratulations on the great job the linebackers did last night. Linebackers, the whole defense, oh, the yeah. whole team. You know, is a a good team win. Yeah, and the score was I think it was thirty five to fourteen, 14. but we did have our J V defense in at, at the end there. So Yeah, because uh what was it? Westview didn't want to pay, play the J V because Well, they're, they're short staff. Short staff. I mean, they only have I think five coaches and just a small J V team. So yeah. uh, you know, it it is what it is. But uh, you know, I love the J V team as well and then yeah, I'm I'm just glad we got to play some football. Yeah, yeah, and it it is great to be out there. I know that they can't let the students in yet, and the seating is kind of limited, and stands are kind of empty. But I'm just glad that the boys get to play uh, football. Finally, get a football season. Uh, but you, you know, before we start uh, talk about our regular stuff, you know, I, I was driving in. I'm always thinking about different things. I'm driving in thinking, you know, all this money that the government is giving out, you know, stimulus packages, and we're we're now all in this debt and so forth. It it's not they're not giving the money away. It's like a loan because you know that they're going to come back later on and start raising taxes and take it back. It's a loan to get things going. What it really is, <laughs> you know, it is funny because it's yeah, it's not like the government's a, a for-profit company that now is distributing money to shareholders. That's not the case. It's no, they're they're using money to have that's from tax revenue and future tax revenue, and and that's how they're going to have to pay yeah. it back. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's the only way that they can really generate money is by taxes, whether it's gas taxes, whether it's income taxes, whether it's property taxes, right. taxes. That, yeah. That's the, the revenue source. Although we, we have seen where the government can sell assets, can sell oil rights, can sell or get paid back for certain things. And again, we don't like to get political. Sometimes we flip over a little bit. But but again, there are ways, other ways for the government to make money as opposed to just doing taxes and, you know. I know it's not in our notes for today, but I mean, kind of on that topic, I, I, I do continue to think that that's what's going to be the problem here for the stock market is, you know, there's all this kind of positive news. We have the reopening of the economy. OK, well, that's great. We have all this money coming in with the stimulus. OK, that's great. But all of a sudden the question comes, how are we going to pay for this? And I think that comes again in 2000. And 22, 2023, I'm not quite sure. I mean, that, that's why we never try and time the market or do anything like that. But I, I think people have to prepare themselves that there's going to be this period of time where, well, what's next? Right. We're not going to have GDP growth of like 10% or even, I, I think, 
in 2023, I, I don't think we're going to have GDP growth of 4%. I, I'd be yeah. shocked to see that. And I, I think there's going to be just no more real optimism. And that's what the stock market's fueled on. And as we've kind of said before, the economy could be doing okay. But if there's little inklings of concern, well, that's where the stock market could struggle. And so, yeah. well, yeah, we, we had GDP here, but now next year it's estimated to be 1% versus 3%. Stock market's not going to like that. Stock market's forward-looking, and that's where you're going to see the problems. And, and also, too, and I did want to comment, and, and not a political comment, but we'll kind of talk about it. I mean, uh, President Joe Biden did uh, do his press conference on, I think it was Thursday. And, and I want to say, I wasn't excited about it, but I want to tell people, don't panic about it either. Don't think that everything's going to collapse because of, of, oh, my gosh, we've got this guy that stutters or, or, or whatever. Whatever your dislikes are. Yeah, Biden. yeah. Keep your personal dislikes out of it. And think about what's going to happen in our economy. And after I watched that about an hour press conference, again, I wasn't like, wow, I'm so excited. But I said, you know what? Things are going to be okay if you invest in the right companies and don't panic and get all emotional about the political side of it. No, I, that, that's where I, I just have to really strongly disagree with a lot of people here is, oh, politics plays such a big factor. It plays a factor, definitely in the economy in parts. Uh, I, I'm not going to dispute that. But when it comes again to investing— our investing philosophy won't change. Maybe the growth stocks or maybe particular stocks don't do as well under a certain president, but there are still opportunities out there, and that, that's what we're looking at. And you shouldn't just completely flip like, oh, Joe Biden's president. I'm going to buy green energy. Well, we've kind of seen how yeah. the green energy stocks have been doing lately because it's all hype. There's no real fundamental value to it until something changes. And that's years down the road for them to really – actually implement that you know it's actually done kind of well what's that energy oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like energy's gonna do terrible <laughs> joe well, energy's actually done pretty well and you know that's where it comes down to it and i don't care who's president we still need food that's yeah. where our food companies come in i mean there, there's just all these companies that you can buy that don't have to be part of this political game that oh i, I can't invest and it's on both sides of the aisle as well that that people are like oh well the democrats are crazy oh the republicans are crazy the democrats did the same thing when donald trump won and oh i'm gonna sell out because we have a madman in office and all the, we've had republicans as well oh joe biden he's an idiot i'm gonna sell out it's like, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean that—that's where people, I think, make a lot of big mistakes. Yeah, they, they paint the uh, with a broad brush everything, and you can't do that. And again, I have said there's companies that I think will do very poorly during the uh, Biden administration, and companies that do very well. And it's not the ones you think, as you pointed out. It's not green energy because if and again, I think something like that will come up. I think they are going to get some things through that we probably don't like. I think it's too early. But you know what? You can't just invest it because that's going to happen. You've got to look at, hey, as you mentioned, you know, food companies, insurance companies, banking companies, uh, so many different companies are going to do very well as they keep uh, going forward. And, and um, I mean, I, I kind of sit here, too, and I, I, I almost do believe that it's not a political thing. when it. I mean, the reason we're looking at financial companies, and we've liked financial companies for years, but yeah. the reason they're benefiting now is because interest rates are going up. Now, I think that if Donald Trump was in office, I don't know if interest rates would have gone up as quickly. Right. But we do know at some point they were going to go up. Yeah. So the financial companies, we would have helped them whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden was in office. So uh, it, it's right. It, it, it's just understanding your businesses. And, and people look, I think, too much on the macro picture 
where that's where they they have pitfalls and and the emotional side where if you look kind of at the micro level at the businesses you own it it really helps remove that emotional side to it and i own a business but there's it's not going to matter who's in office this business is still going to find a way to make money as we always say it's still going to find a way to serve its customers you think oh donald trump's in office oh joe biden's in office well, I'm gonna, just going to give up. I'm the CEO. There's no point to being in business anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the whole economy is not going to collapse because Trump was in or Joe Biden's in and so forth. So the point being, and we brought it up, again, not in our notes, but but just to tell people, like, you know, don't panic over that. We did have out of, I don't know, I, we never know how many clients we have, 800 clients, whatever. One guy, he was from a foreign country, and he's been with me for, gosh, I couldn't believe it. His, I would love to tell what his performance was, but he's been with me for like 12 years. He panicked, and he goes, you don't get it. I've been from a socialist country. This is the direction we're going, and I'm just selling everything out. Like, that is not what you do. You you, you step back, and I know he was, and again, he'd been with me for a long time. He's a little bit older gentleman. I think he was like maybe in his 60s now. But it's just what's a, sh- a shame, and he has missed, and this was probably like a month or two ago, He's missed a decent run up, and it was just so frustrating. I mean, because he came with me, not a whole lot of money, and he left with a, a good sized portfolio that he sold everything. So crazy. So, well, well, let's move on. And before we actually talk about our topics, I do want to mention that because uh, it is only what two weeks away the the workshop, the live <laughs> workshop that we're having Thursday. Big news! It is big news because live and live, and we got a, we got a big room. I mean, seating is limited. But, uh, again, we've got a big room to, to do it. It is going to be Thursday, April 8th, starting at 6 o'clock. And we're going to show you. And we're going to talk about these different things that we talk about here on the radio show, but in person. And, again, you get to ask questions, and it's, it's interactive, so to speak. Uh, but we're going to show you how we use the fundamentals and got us through COVID-19, understand the details of calculating our target sell price and what we see happening in 2021, and taking a look, a peek into 2022 as well. So if you're confused what to do now, uh, you you don't you didn't do well uh, last year because of oh you you panicked. This is the workshop for you. It is free, but what you have to do you have to sign up. Go to our website smartinvesting2000.com, smartinvesting2000.com, or you can call the office at eight five eight five four six four three zero six. That's eight five eight five four six four three zero six. Uh, sitting is limited. Talk to Janae. She's the one that's going to be answering the phone for you. Uh, it is free. Sitting is limited. There'll be a no host beer and food there for you. And it will be at Alesmith Brewery right off of Miramar Road. So very excited about it. Beautiful uh, venue. They got the three, is it the 356? 394. Three, 394. <laughs> 394 was for uh, Tony Quinn. Tony Quinn. Yep. So hope to see you there again. Free. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, <clears throat> before we go to the the calls, I don't mention that. Chuck uh, and Carl, uh, bear with us. We have a few topics we want to talk about. You two will be the first up. I just want to let you know that. So hang on. We'll, we'll get to you. Let's talk about uh, something very important, which is uh, uh, Tesla. No, just kidding. I just want to get <laughs> We see Brennan gets all upset. You almost made me jump out of my chair. There right we there. go. There we go. We're not talking about Tesla today at all, I don't think. But we are going to talk about <clears throat> Apple stock. Uh, I know many investors think Apple stock is going to go to the moon. Like, oh, nothing can stop this company. But here are some words of caution for you. In 2015, Apple had EBITDA of $82 billion. Now, in the last year, it's only gone up, well, not by very much. Chase, it's gone up by how much? Uh, let's see. In, well, in the last year, it's only gone up by about 1% per year to $86 billion. So, I mean, not much growth there in terms of the business as a whole. I mean, we keep saying someone needs to explain why this company is trading at such lofty valuations for such a small growth rate. And, you know, I, I was just kind of 
looking at my phone here just just to <clears> kind of <throat> see where the stock's been going. And I mean, since <coughs> September, it's just really been trading pretty flat. Flat. And I I think that's what could be in the cards for Apple stock. Uh, or there could be a big pullback. I, I, I don't know, but I think <clears> over the next five years, ten years, it's it either is gonna trade pretty much nowhere for a while, or there's gonna have to be a big pullback because it just trades at such lofty levels. And one reason that they have had such great appreciation, and don't get me wrong, we're big fans of stock buybacks. Yeah. But we were big fans of stock buybacks years ago for Apple because <laughs> that's what really set them up to drive EPS higher because when you're buying back your stock at low levels, you get to buy back more of it. Right. Well, now for them to buy back the stock, they buy back less of it with higher amounts of money. I think that could be very costly to them. And I, I don't think it's going to drive the same EPS growth that it did over the last several years. And, and the thing you have to think about too, is like, okay, you're, you're spending this money to buy a high price stock now, which is Apple. <clears throat> and, and let's just say, <clears throat> gosh, <clears throat> got something stuck in my throat again. Uh, let's just say it is um, trading at three times earnings. I'm not sure what it is. Is that really the best use of your money? Maybe there's something else you should do with that money to go out and buy another business. Or, or, or it just seems like, and I've seen this happen over my 40 years where you have these companies, oh, their stock is doing so great. What do they do? They keep buying at a higher price, higher price. And then eventually the stock drops and it's like, why'd you waste your money? Why didn't you wait? I know they, it's almost like the, the, the rich person has too much cash and just goes out uh, and, and blows it. Uh, or, or they just like, oh, yeah, so I paid $6 million for that house. Uh, okay, so I lost $2 million. Who cares? That's kind of what they're kind of at. They're, they're in this position where they keep buying the stock. Maybe they should stop and say, wait a minute. Maybe we should look at buying another business that has a better return on equity than what we're doing. Yeah, cause, I mean, they, they trade at 26 times future earnings, 32 times yeah. current earnings. I mean, it, it's not inexpensive, and you are right. It is It is kind of funny. So if this is such a great growth company, let's say, because if you're a great growth company, that's why you normally trade at higher valuations. Well, why would you need to buy back stock? Because you should be having projects to invest in that has growth. Great know? point. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, it's almost... Like it just doesn't make much sense. There's just so much love out there for Apple. And I, I just, we've talked about it in the past and we liked Apple for years. Right. And we did very <clears> well with Apple. But now it's just, it's gotten way too expensive. I mean, what's it going to do? Go to 50 times earnings? <laughs> I don't see how that happens. Yeah. I mean, there's no fundamental reason why it should trade at 50 times. And people bring out, oh, well, there could be the Apple car. Could be, I think, is a, a very key point key there. Point. And they're going to be so far behind the eight ball in terms of uh, a car. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday. I hate to do it, Brendan, but Tesla's out there. They do have a good car. I'm not going to deny that. There is GM has a full slate of electric vehicles coming out. You were talking about the Porsche. Porsche. Oh, man, that's a beautiful looking car. I mean, Fisker, I know. There's so many competitors out there. I just don't see how Apple can come out and generate this new car that's going to just wow people, especially from a phone maker. Right. Well, now I feel comfortable buying a car. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a huge switch there. So I, I, I don't subscribe to that theory that that's going to be a huge money maker for them. They could have places in the car. Don't right. get me wrong with their technology. Oh, that I, well, might be. I have an uh, Escalade, brand new Escalade, and that has CarPlay in it. And, yeah. and it works pretty good. I have it on my truck as well, and I, I like it, but I don't know how much Apple really derives in revenue from that. And then you have people, oh, well, healthcare. I mean, they have the watch, but I, I'm not sure 
how much that's really going to do either. Yeah, how much can you really make off of that? And, Especially and, when you're making so much money. And, you know, you brought up a point, too. You said, uh, well, a lot of people love Apple stock. Yeah. That's a that's a dangerous word because isn't there a saying, too, that love is blind? So, <laughs> it's like, so wake up because maybe this is not something you should fall in love with because when the numbers you look at behind the curtain – uh, this this love, this girl could be cheating on you because they don't have maybe the numbers to sustain it. And, and, and this could go on for uh, much longer. But it, with rising interest rates, we're starting to see things change. Uh, I just don't see the catalyst to make Apple do much more. So love, I, I will say, is blind. Be careful there on that one. Well, and also, too, all it starts to take is people will start to become disenchanted with it. Yeah. You know, sometimes people don't love one another anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they get that, bored. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where the problem ensues is because, or if everybody out there loves Apple stock, now you need to find more people to love it. Otherwise, the price isn't going to go any higher. Right. So, I mean, you always, in the market type place, you have to find somebody that wants those shares at a higher price to sell it to them. If nobody wants it at a higher price, doesn't matter how much you love the stock, you're not going to be able to sell it at that <laughs> higher price. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> well, well, let's move on and talk about SPAC stocks because we've we've talked about this in the past, and I've not been a big fan of all the U.S. SPAC stocks out there. And, and again, it is a blind buying thing as it actually is, but apparently my dislike is increasing on Wall Street. $2.7 billion has been bet against SPAC stocks, which is more than triple from the first year, from last year. And it's just amazing what is going on with these that maybe people are waking up and, and and here it is again i think what's actually going to go on i said this before is i think people are going to get into it and wall street's going to go the other direction bet against it make money off it and there again is a little guy losing money wall street kind of played with a little guy well i'm actually going to bring up here is uh nicola the car maker that was setting the world on fire last year that went public via spac yeah and <clears throat> And what happens with these SPACs is <laughs> the special acquisition company is what it stands for. They don't have a product. They're the ones that actually go public. They kind of go public with, we have the idea of electric cars. So then they go out and try and find an electric car company. Then they merge with that electric car company. And that's how that electric car company goes public. Well, the problem here is the company, the special acquisition company, they're the ones that do all the filings. They're the ones that have to go through the SEC, not the electric car company. Right. So now all of a sudden this electric car company gets to bypass kind of some of the regulations. I do wonder if Nikola actually went through a traditional IPO process or maybe even a direct listing, if the news that kind of came out after, after they merged would have come out at that time rather than costing investors a lot of money. And I mean, Nicholas should have never traded at the levels that it yeah. did, but people may have actually kind of protected themselves. And I'm not a big fan of regulators. And right. I, I think that they do have their place. And I think sometimes they overstep. But as I said, I, I think they do have their place to kind of protect some shareholders. And in that case, I, I think it, it maybe could have protected some people. And, and that's a good point because, again, these SPACs, they, they, they had, it's a blind pool. Uh, you got uh, many times the, the creators are getting, what, 20% of the, of, of the, the, the profits. or it's just, it's just crazy. And and you're right. Maybe if they would have went through the traditional route, which, oh, my gosh, is more expensive, more timely, but maybe something would have been discovered as opposed to this blind thing where you're really not looking into it as deep. So, and again, I said in the very beginning that SPACs, I, I think this is just another big money maker for people on Wall Street. Um, you know, and, and it, it's been around for a long time. It kind of faded out of, yeah. out of, out of uh, 
you know, the, the limelight, and then it came back again with, with a vengeance. But I think it's gonna, there's going to be things starting to fall apart, and people, once again, they're going to get burned. And, again, we always say don't, don't fall for this crazy Wall Street stuff. Just buy good, fundamentally strong companies. You're going to do very well. But people want to be on that. Oh, they're going to do this and that. And, and, you know, it's funny. We don't have um, a lot of super wealthy clients. You know, we, we, we've got some wealthy clients. Um, but I almost feel like they're the ones that get burned on this many times, you know, because, oh, they got, you know, millions. millions. And, and, you know, I got $100 million. So, okay, so who cares if I lose $10 million? I, That's 10% of your wealth. I, I, I just don't get it. And, and I think, man, you know what it is, Chase? You and I are not salespeople. I mean, we love talking about what we do, and we, we, we get excited about it, but we don't sell product. I think at that level, there's a lot of great salespeople who have no clue what they're selling, don't even care what they're selling. They're just making big money by being great salespeople, and they're selling these rich people on stuff that is not good. And, and I suppose the rich people can kind of handle it, but I do feel bad for the guy that's got maybe 100000 200000 gets sucked in and loses half his worth, which we've seen well, over the It's because right. they think that the rich people are doing it, so they think that's how you get rich is by doing things like that. Right. And, right. and that's not the case right. at all. So I... I just I, I will say the last thing about the SPAC stocks is I, I do think the shorts have gone up on it because the amount of SPAC stocks have also gone up. So go. that that is a reason. But it is something that that is I, I think it's not going to tank the economy or anything. But no. I just think it's something you need to be leery of because of the lack of regulations on that particular company, the lack of insight that you actually do receive when it comes to a lot of the filings that, right. that actually occur. And, and a lot of people don't look at the filings, which, you know, I <laughs> I don't want to say I don't blame them, but I kind of do blame them because right. <laughs> that that's why people get burned. But the thing that we are, we look at the 10K, we look at the right. 10Q. A lot of people don't have <clears throat> that type of knowledge. That's where you're kind of opening yourself up to that risk. If you're investing, you know, $200,000 and you don't want to look at the filings and you get burned on something, I, I'm sorry. that That's not the stock market's fault. And, and if you're not looking at it, you better be darn sure that the person that you're dealing with is looking at it. And again, I, I, I've been doing this for 40 years. Our clients, I mean, they really trust us because they know we're actually doing the research that nobody else wants to do. We get so excited about when people come with presentation. Like, oh, this is great and so forth. We show the numbers and we're all happy. And they kind of look, they're like, I'm glad you're doing that because I don't want to do that. But again, if you're not going to use us, you're going to use somebody else. Make sure that person that you're dealing with is not a salesperson, but is actually somebody that's actually looking into the, the details of the investment part to make sure that you're not going to get burned on some crazy thing. So, and, and unfortunately, and, and we, we do show in the present, there's, what, 691,000 financial advisors across the country. However, only about 9% or 61,000 are actually registered by the SEC, which means they have a fiduciary responsibility to what's best for the client, as opposed to the brokers have the suitability requirement not quite as good, So, which means they can sell stuff. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do think it is good that we have seen kind of more of a push towards fiduciary. I mean, you mm -hmm. see a lot more people are kind of, acknowledging that word i guess like a lot of times when people call and are interested in coming and meeting with us one of the first questions we get is are you a fiduciary yes yes <laughs> so and, and, and you know and it's not easy to get it was a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of stuff and also too it's very difficult to maintain as well because you have to do what's right you can't sell product you yeah. have to be thinking of that client first so very important you're right more people are asking for it but only nine percent right now uh, in the financial industry have that so let's move on because we're, we're kind of I, I now i see we got john waiting as well so chuck John and Carl, stay, stay with us. We're going to have you guys up first. But I, I do want to just bring up the last thing here, which was a cigarette smoking decrease. Uh, cigarette smoking in the U.S. has declined from around 42% to currently around 13%. Uh, 
It has been estimated that the last cigarette will be smoked in 2050, uh, but I cannot understand why cigarette companies like Philip Morris has continued to climb in the price. I'm, I'm, I'm just, what are we missing here? They should be worthless. Yeah. They should be like GameStop <laughs> well, before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and one thing we do know is, of course, some places around the world are still smoking more. I mean, you look at kind of the... Uh, I, the Middle East, I I think they are heavy smokers. I think Asia too, and Asian countries as well. Um, so I mean, those places are picking. India, I, I do believe, is another one that has been climbing in terms of sales and revenue and so forth. But I mean, I I just look at kind of people that, that I hang out with, and you kind of mentioned it as well. People that you hang out, with, I don't have many friends that that smoke cigarettes. They're outside smokers. They go, excuse me, I'm going to leave, and they go outside and smoke. <laughs> but you can smell it when they come back in. That's true, you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the point is, uh, I know that. You know, there is the vaping thing, but I, I remember some, somebody on Facebook, we, we brought this up, and somebody said, oh, well, Juul, and look how expensive. But Juul, remember, had all those lawsuits yeah, and all, all the other things as well. Uh, more dangerous than... than uh, I think it was like bad for your... <laughs> bad for clear, your lungs. Bad for your lungs. <laughs> quicker. Quicker bad for your lungs. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I just, I look at it, and, you know, the Philip Morris and Altria, yeah. I just, I think it's a dying industry, and... Somebody did bring up maybe weed distribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe if they flip that, but until that's kind of out there, I but I, I just don't know if there's I don't know enough about marijuana versus tobacco if there maybe is different thresholds for distribution. Um, obviously, it's not federally legal yet as well, right. uh, <clears throat> legal here in California, but not legal in other states. Um, so I I just I'm not sure. Uh, and, and I and one thing I like about doing stuff on social media, we, we do hear back from some people. I love doing the radio show, hear back from people as well. But um, is that they talk about, well, maybe they have the, the, the distribution set up already. But if you look at the weed industry, a cannabis industry, I guess is the proper way to say it, um, it's different. They have these, it was just in my head, um, what they call these uh, uh, dis- uh, dispensaries, dispensaries. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I went in one. I think I was high when I walked up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it's like when one is just like they had like tons of stuff and it all was weed related, and so can you just like because a cigarette's just one box of cigarettes or a carton of cigarettes? Could they do the same thing, or will the distribution be different? Like you know, gases to a car versus plugging in a car. Will that distribution ever be the same, or will it stay the, d- the dispensary route and not be able to sell like a carton of? weed at the local checkout at 7-Eleven. Yeah. I, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. If, that, if you're hinging your hope that Philip Morris is going to get into the, the weed distribution business, then uh, that's, a, that's a big hope. That's a long yeah. shot, I'm going to say. And if yeah. they do, yeah, the stock will probably be fine. And you know, But if they don't, where is that next source of revenue going to come from? It's, is <clears> vaping <throat> still going to be around? You know, And uh, the big thing is a lot of parents are, are very upset at the vaping industry for kind of taking predatory actions, I guess, on their kids, teenagers, yeah. and and there's a lot of pushback on it from from a lot of parents that, that don't like that. I, I think there's a lot of yeah. younger people that are getting involved, and that, that's the target market. That, right. That's not a good target market and, to and have. I don't see it. I can't remember the last time I saw, and you can kind of see when they're doing it because you're at the light, you see this big puff of <laughs> steam or whatever come out. I've not seen that in a while. I've not seen anybody vape in a long time, so maybe it is kind of reversed. I, I've seen some of it, but you are right. I... I haven't seen the same amount i i do know it, it seemed to be more popular i'd say two three years ago and and i i don't think it's a, a good long-term thing i i know there's some other tobacco alternatives like uh one of the coaches i coach with he's a uh, used to 
dip a lot. Right. Well, now they have these other packets that have the nicotine without the tobacco. So there, there's like other alternatives. I think maybe that's a route that could help. I, I don't know if Philip Morris is involved in that, but right. you know, that could potentially absolve some of that potential loss in tobacco right. revenue. Right. Yeah, so. I used to work at a gas station, and another thing we used to sell was uh, little coffee packets, and it would be just straight-up caffeine and, like, uh, crushed-up <laughs> coffee grounds they could chew on. So that was really? another way. Yeah, wow, yeah sounds, so. sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I guess some people don't need that caffeine. I, I, if I drink, like, two cups of coffee, I get a headache from the caffeine, so I, I, like, I use it for decaf. So, um, All right, well, well, let's go to the phones here. Uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Got a lot of calls holding here. Uh, first up, I saw Chuck in San Diego. Chuck, you're on the Smart Investor Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you here? Hey, Brent, I just want to say you were talking about Tony Gwynn. I think uh, for San Diego, you have been an icon. We'll see asset management. You've been an asset to San Diego County for many, many years, and I just want to thank you for your service. Well, if you can see me now, I'm blushing right now. I really, <laughs> really I appreciate those words. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I have a couple of portfolio questions um, vis-a-vis the, uh, the current uh, market and uh, what the federal government is doing right now, um, i.e. printing money that we don't have. Um, I'm a pretty typical investor. I have about 50% of my portfolio in an IRA, traditional IRA. About 50% um, is held with Vanguard. About 70% equity and about 30% cash and and precious metals. If I believe uh, we're headed for inflation and or a recession, um, what what do you advise overall uh, your uh, clients in a situation. If you see the train coming down the tracks right now, Brent, mm-hmm. you see inflation on the horizon. I mean, how can we spend another $3 trillion of money that we don't have? That's next down the pipeline in, uh, in D.C. At some point, you know, the laws of economics trump the laws of politics, right? Right. So what, what do you advise your clients when you're looking at something like this? You know, Chuck, and, and I've kind of looked at this before, and I've talked about this in, in, in the past. What, what actually, and we kind of talked about in the beginning, that right now when the government is kind of sending out all this money, it really is a loan. You kind of have to realize they're going to come back, and they're going to say, hey, we're taking that loan back now. There's no interest on it, but they're going to start taking it back in the form of taxes. So they're, they're trying to stimulate the economy, which I think they overdid it this time is my, my thought. But if you're investing, what you have to look at saying, what is inflation? Inflation is the increasing price of goods and services who benefits from that the companies because if you're selling xyz product and xyz product went from a dollar a unit up to a dollar 20 that's going to increase the profits of your company now initially what happens because generally following um increasing inflation is interest rates initially equities go down creating a great buying opportunity because that company's going to have better earnings down the road because of inflation so as always it comes back to a long-term investor it's not going to happen in three or four months it's going to take maybe 12 to 18, 24 months, and you're going to benefit as an equity holder because you hold, and you've got to hold the right businesses, to benefit from inflation. And the other thing, too, is that if you do anticipate that recession, we don't know. I mean, we anticipate a recession. I, I just don't yeah. know when it's going to happen. Um, the problem is a lot of times people try and time the recessions, and, and we know that it's not really possible. You have to have that understanding that your portfolio might take somewhat of a hit. But you did mention you have 30% in cash and precious metals right now. 
Well, you know, maybe you do hold a little bit more cash. And, and don't look at it, oh, I'm timing the market, but you're just kind of being a little bit more cautious. I don't think it's wise to keep 30% in bonds. I'd rather have 30% in cash yeah. to be able to enact that, that buying opportunity. Um, and maybe you look at more like we talk about food companies. Food companies should do just fine in a recession. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be businesses that will do okay. And as Brent kind of said, it's the rising cost of goods and services. Those are the businesses you do want to find. The other thing I will say is our clients, and you know, I don't know if we've talked about this on air yet or if we were keeping it a secret, but if so, here, here it goes. Is we, uh, we do look at a floating rate fund. Yeah. Rather than having it in cash or a fixed income type investment, we use floating rate funds. And what that does is as interest, ra- interest rates go up, rather than your traditional fixed income, you're fixed at that 1%, let's say. Well, let's say it's now at 1.25%. Now you get that interest on it. It has a lot more in- a lot less interest rate sensitivity that fixed income does. So that's kind of where we're, I'm going to say, parking some cash right now because we're, we're in a very similar spot. We're, we're not overly enthusiastic about a lot of things out there right now. Yeah, they're, they're too expensive. And, right. and again, we are being patient, and, and that's what you're to look at. But, yeah, and things are not going to falter. I, I still don't see us going to recession because I believe, and I'm kind of now looking more into 2022, all this cash that's in the economy, I don't believe it's going to be sucked out in one month. I think it's going to be there for a couple of years. So we may not have a problem till 2023 because yeah. you've got trillions out there. It's not going to leave in one day. It's going to take time to get it back. So, so I think a recession could be off until 2023, and I'm reading more and more and trying to understand more about 2022. Um, so, yeah, I think we're fine for a while here, Chuck. All right. I have one quick question about the, the uh, IRA versus the Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never been able to qualify for a Roth because of my income level, mm-hmm. uh, but my income took a, a turn down, uh, but I hit the magical uh, 60 year old mark. And I'm just wondering if I'm going to retire, you know, in two years or so, is it worth trying to convert to a Roth or will I take a hit? Uh, you know what? We, we have a great financial planner. It's going to be on pretty soon here. And he actually does the, the analysis on the taxes and your age and what's uh-huh. going to happen and so forth. Okay. My my guess is it might be a great time for you to do that because you said your income's down, you're hit, you know, sixty and so forth. My gut feeling is yes, it's good, but the thing is how much, and that's the big key. You you don't want to go overboard, but you want to do the right thing. So you know, Chuck, you're always welcome to give our office a call and and you can talk to Harrison, our financial planner, because that's what he does when he does financial planning, is actually figuring that stuff out for people. And I do know when he's coming um, on today, he's talking about something Roth oh, related. Yeah. <laughs> so be sure you stay tuned for that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So stay tuned, Chuck. He's coming up. We're talking about, uh, and I think I did see it. Was I think it might have been a backdoor Roth. Yeah, backdoor Roth. And I'm like, what is that? You know. So yeah. So stay tuned, Chuck. Uh, he's coming up pretty soon. You can listen to him. And give us give the also call too if you want to talk. All righty. Thank you. Thank right. you. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That opens on the phone line. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577- Two four seven three. Let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Carl. Carl, you're in the Smart Vegetable and Chase. How can we help you? Some time ago, Mr. Buffett invested in that gold mining stock, GFI. And uh, uh, it went up and up. And after I bought it, it went down and down. I'm in loss now. I'm wondering, should I get out or hang on? It could go down again to $4. Now it is around $9. They have profits and even pay a little dividend. Is it Goldfields Limited? Is that the company there, Carl? Yes. 
Okay. Yes, the South African uh, gold mine, Goldfields, GFI. All right. I, I got to kind of change. Yeah, cha- yes, it's not a U.S. company. I, I, Are you sure that Warren Buffett bought that? Because I never remember him buying any gold company. Well, it, it could have been one of his managers. But but he said a that long time ago. May, uh, yeah, uh, no, no, not may, maybe uh, maybe nine months ago he he invested in that uh, star. I mean, in that company, and uh, it went up and up. And I said maybe he know <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what this good investment, and now it goes down, down. <clears throat> yeah, I'm gonna put a word of caution out for people. I mean, Warren Buffett. Yes, he's still quote unquote at the head, but I don't think he's making these decisions because this is he wouldn't. He said before he would never buy gold. And, and I'm gonna kind of <clears throat> get off on a little bit tangent here, Carl. Sorry, but uh, we will get back to GFI. Is when they bought Amazon in the Berkshire portfolio. Uh, that's when I knew Buffett was yeah. like, okay, he's not running the show like he used to. I think he's given a lot more power to his managers. And and I I don't know, Carl. Maybe they looked at it as more of a trade, and Buffett never, never. traded. But maybe that that's what they're they're doing over there now. And and that's that's one area of caution that we don't really follow Buffett as closely as we used to. Used to, yeah. And he he used to say, I I, I would never buy gold. It's just a piece of metal and. And and these new guys are younger, so they're well younger. They're, I think they're, they're about your age. About my, my age yeah. <laughs> hey, you're a young guy. Yeah, I'm a young guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, but they're younger, uh, and they're doing things I I, I can't believe. And, he, and Buffett said, "Yeah, I, I missed Amazon, uh, but you know he still wouldn't jump in and buy it." So so do not follow what Berkshire Hathaway is doing any longer because it is not the value investor it used to be. So let, let's look at this company here. It is a, a South African company. We're going to take a look at it. And again. We well, we did buy gold as a hedge a while ago, like what a year or so ago. Uh, but what a caution to people: we don't like gold either because it's just a piece of metal. There's no, you know, it's what the next guy will pay for it. So, coming again, it's a South African company, uh, Gold Fields Limited. Another problem as well: you've got a, a South African company currency fluctuation. Yep. So another problem with it. But we do see, and I, I can't compare the the index. I don't have that here, but I do see a PE ratio of 11.1. That looks pretty darn good. We do see price of sales 2.1, uh, price to book value 2.2, and price of cash flow 5.8. So all the valuation ratios look good, and this can be a trap for people because oh well, it must be a value company because the valuations look good. Look at what the underlying thing is. It's based on gold. They do pay a 3.5% dividend, using 40% of the earnings to pay that out. We do see sales were up 31%, earnings climbed by 321%. That sounds great. Uh, we do see a current ratio 1.9, debt to equity 53, no problem there. Return to equity, wow, 22.5, another good one. Uh, net profit margin 19.2. So these numbers all look good. Are there any earnings going forward for this company, Chase? Yeah, so let's look at the current price here for Goldfields Limited. Again, ticker symbol GFI. Current price, as I said, $9.13. And I see what you're saying here, Carl. 52-week high is $17.05, and that 52-week low, well, that's $5.56. Now, on a positive note, I go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $1.20. It would give us a target sell price of $19.92. But a lot of times, I, I don't like gold miners right? because these earnings can fluctuate so quickly the the estimates can go from a dollar twenty down to fifty cents depending on what the price of gold does. Right. So I I I, I know you're down on it. I would just be very cautious of it. It's it has a good target sell price. It has the good valuations. But you know even 
myself doing this now for, I'm going to say close to 10 years, I've seen gold companies. I remember when I first started, I was like, wow, this is a, a great target sell price. It had all the valuations. We didn't buy it, luckily. And I, you didn't like to do the gold companies. And sure enough, the earnings just went off a cliff. And the target sell price now was nowhere near what it used to be. Uh, Carl, how much percentage-wise does it make up in your portfolio? I bought 1,000 shares at $14, and now it's around 9 I'm wondering, should I get out or hang on? It could go down to $4 again. Uh, but percentage-wise of your overall portfolio, how much does it make up of your overall portfolio? Oh, it's about uh, something like uh, 6%. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of high. I, I mean, and again, we're now gambling on what gold's going to do for it. And gold is supposed to go up as inflation goes up. Not been happening at all, and that's that's part of the problem. It could happen going forward. It may not happen. Um, I, my feeling is, I, I without looking at your whole portfolio, I'm just going to throw out a, a guess there. I would rather, if you came to us and you said, can you manage our money? What we would do is say, you know what, we're going to sell this position because what you're doing you're wasting money on this position that has no reason to really go up, and you could be patient and buy something else with that money down the road that could do very well. So based on that uh-huh. quick analysis, I'm going to say sell it. Be prepared. It could go up, you know, but I, I, I just don't want to hold something that is speculative like that is. I'd rather wait for something good to come along, a good price on a good insurance company, a good price on a food company, uh, and get out of the situation you're in. And, and, and do not follow Warren Buffett portfolio Berkshire Hathaway <clears throat> it is not the same Warren Buffett of, of years back. I mean gosh he sold JP Morgan Chase and yeah. Wells Fargo just a terrible time yeah I think 110 and now it's at yeah. 150 or something. yeah I, yeah. I yeah I digress yeah, yeah. So. okay yeah F- thank you so much thank you bye okay, Carl thanks you for calling bye-bye you know I was gonna say kind of wrapping up that call Carl we were in a meeting yesterday with a potential client and we were talking about uh just kind of looking at the stock market. And the problem that people have is when they sell something and it goes higher, right. it's like, gosh, I shouldn't <clears> have <throat> sold it and I knew it was going to go higher. But the thing is when you sell it and it goes lower, you're like, I'm the smartest person around. I knew yep. that was going to go lower. And that that's why you have to stick to your philosophy because if you don't stick to your philosophy, that's where you can justify selling something. But if you just right. sell it because it's like, ah, I'm just going to sell it, that's where the problems ensue. And if you don't understand why you own something, you kind of get stuck in these holes of like the emotional side of investing is what we always say. Yeah. And again, we always tell people we will not sell the absolute top. We sold a couple of companies. I think they've gone up since we sold them. But what they're not looking at is the five-year game plan. Okay, so we sold that business. We now have cash. We're being patient. We're waiting for something else. We'll buy something probably at a lower price. And we'll probably be farther ahead five years from now because we made that decision to sell that price, buy something else at the right price, as opposed to holding that one, because you're not, stop thinking you're going to get the absolute top. You're not going to do that unless you're lucky. We say that all the time. If you're lucky, maybe you will. We've been lucky a couple of times. So, wow, the absolute top. But that's not always going to happen. So forget about it. Take your losses or get out and, and move forward and try to, to make good decisions. The reason why we don't get emotional, that's one of our things, is because we're doing things based on fundamentals, based on reasoning. And we can hold on to stuff because we have a reason why we bought it. We didn't guess that. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh-oh. That, that's the that's the big key there. Yep, yep. So, all right, uh, just about 8.40. John, if you can hold with us for a little bit longer here, I, I do want to talk with uh, our financial planner, uh, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? I, I, well, I'm doing great, but I'm confused. 
This sounds illegal. The backdoor Roth IRA. What you got going on here? So we're going to talk a little bit about contributing to retirement accounts. Um, to paint the picture here, if you're someone of a tax filer whose income is too high, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. And a lot of people don't know this. Sometimes I'll run into prospective clients and they'll say, okay, you know, I've been contributing to my Roth for the past 10 years. And I'll look at their tax return and their AGI is $400,000. And it's like, oh, now we got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically, um, if you're a single person, you can't contribute to a Roth if uh, – if your AGI is around 124,000, that's the beginning of the phase out. If you're married, the phase out starts at 196,000. So that's the Roth for contributions. On the traditional IRA side, if your income is too high and you have access to an employer plan like a 401k, you can make contributions to a traditional, but those contributions are not deductible. So you could put $7,000 in there, but then when you file your taxes, that $7,000 that you put in there, you cannot report as a deduction against your um, income. That phase out starts at an AGI of 65,000 for a single person, 104,000 for a married couple. Um, again, so those are on the contributions. Now, if we shift gears and think about what a Roth conversion is, Basically, what that is, is you're taking traditional IRA money and converting it over to a Roth. You can do that at any time in any amount, regardless of what your income, and you can do it without penalty. Um, and basically, what that happens, if you have an IRA, for example, with like $100,000, you take 10000 of that converted over to a Roth. That 10000 that you converted is taxable in the year that you do it. But again, you can do it at any time, um, and there's no penalty for it. So if we put all this together, essentially what we can do, since we know that we can always contribute to a traditional, we can make a traditional IRA contribution not deducted if your income is too high, and then convert that non-deductible contribution over to a Roth. So it's a two-step process for high-income earners to basically fund a Roth. Um, and, and so it's kind of a, a sneaky way to go about doing it. And some people know about this, but they don't know why it works or how it works. Um, and there are some caveats you have to understand before you do something like this. Um, for example, if you have other traditional IRA pre-tax money, you have to be careful because with the conversion, the amount that's converted is taxable based on the prorated amount of pre-tax to post-tax money. So for example, if you have a traditional IRA with $100,000 of it, but you had just contributed a non-deductible $7,000 amount to it, well, that still means 93 of that 100000 is pre-tax. So if you tried to convert 7000 over, you'd actually have about a $6,500 taxable gain in the year you do that. So you kind of have to, to be aware of that. Um, something else to keep in mind, there were a lot of tax planners, tax advisors, um, financial planners, financial advisors that were worried about this, this backdoor Roth strategy in years past because – or if they didn't, they should have been. There's something with the IRS called the step transaction doctrine, which basically says in certain circumstances, the IRS can view a series of separate transactions as one singular transaction and apply any applicable taxes and penalties. And so people were worried that they were saying, okay, well, you know, you're, you're doing these process, but really what you're doing is you're a high income person contributing to a Roth, which is unallowed and you should be assessed penalties of it. So, a lot of advisors who knew about that were 
um, a little nervous about recommending this. However, the IRS has actually released guidance a couple years ago saying that this specific strategy is okay. Um, so that that's something that's good to know. So basically, it's a way for high-income people uh, with no other pre-tax IRA money to um, fully fund a uh, Roth IRA. You know, Harrison, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking, is there going to be a time when the IRS kind of realizes that, oh, wait, we have a mistake here. But you said they were like, no, we're not going to change this here. So it is for people that are smart people or actually have a smart financial planner like yourself that says this is something that we can take advantage of. And I, I just love to ask, how many people go to a financial planner that's never even brought this up because a financial planner is so worried about selling them product versus these ideas that you spend all your time looking at? Uh, it, it's just such a great one that, that I, I didn't think of. And it's just something that maybe it's there for years to come because it's not like they, they missed a step here. So, yeah. And you know, it's actually funny. I, um, I met with some per prospective clients yesterday who, um, they gave me their tax return and in that it had some recommendations and it, it kind of alluded to something like this, but it didn't really, um, uh, give full advice on how to do it and the best way to do it. So I think there might be some advisors out there that, know something about it, but they don't know all the details. And in the past, I've had to talk with uh, CPAs and, and tax professionals because I've told clients to do this. And then their CPA calls me, oh, you have to be careful because this happens. And it's like, I know how it works. This is what we did. This is how it works. And it's going to be fine. They're like, oh, okay. Okay. So you, you really have to know because again, if if you think, oh, I'm, I'm a high income earner, I'm going to do this, but you also had a traditional IRA with $500,000 in it, and then you made the non-deductible contribution, it's not going to work because, again, the prorated amount is, is uh, taxable. So in situations like that, for example, your 401k might allow you to roll that traditional IRA money in. So now you don't have any traditional IRA money. Now you can make a non-deductible contribution, then convert that, and it's not taxable. So you kind of have to know the nuances in order to make sure it's it's actually a good idea. Right. And, and Harrison, what I'm hearing is that there is a way to do it, but you got to be real careful. If you do it wrong, you could end up with problems like, oh, well, Harrison Johnson from Wilson Asset Management said I could do this. Yeah, but you did it wrong. So, <laughs> so yeah. make sure and you do it thing, right. a lot of <laughs> A lot of these things with taxes, you don't realize you made a mistake until it's too late and you're trying to file, and now you've got additional taxes and penalties you weren't prepared for. So you're right. You really have to make sure it's, it's done correctly. Right. Well, Harrison, great information there. Thank you very much. Uh, Chase, you had a quick question. Yeah, I was going to say, Harrison, I, I think next week, just kind of give a little teaser, maybe something for you to think about, is I know the prospective client you're talking about, they're looking at moving to a different state, and they were wondering if they should contribute to a traditional or Roth, and I think that would be a great conversation yeah. as well uh, because I think that, they were kind of making some poor choices right. in terms of the uh, direction they were heading considering they're they moving to another state. Are there people leaving California? Really? There, there's some out there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that would be a great yeah, topic. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point, Chase. I was considering talking about that today, but yeah, it'll probably be a topic for next week. <laughs> All right, well, we'll tease for next week. And uh, Harrison, thank you very much. And and, and uh, what, where are you at now? Are you in San Diego or are you somewhere else? You're out of town or what? <laughs> I am uh, I'm at my house in San Diego right oh, now. Oh, okay. Right. Ne <laughs> next week, you're probably going to Colorado. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for calling in. We'll, we'll see you Monday morning. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. See you Monday. All right. Again, as uh, Harrison Johnson. He's our CFP, our financial planner from Wilsey Asset Management. Uh, again, he always has great information. And, and the reason B is, is that he is on a salary. His job is not just to sell product to talk to people on investing. That's my job and Chase's job. His job is to understand what is going on to do the best financial plans for people. 
so they don't make mistakes. And so he, he has these ideas, uh, and he's great. I know he does a lot of reading. We do a lot of reading on the investing side. He does a lot of reading on the, the financial planning side, I'll call it. Like the doctrine? I have never heard of that doctrine that he just brought up about the, the single transaction or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, he, he's great at really kind of breaking down the the fundamentals of financial planning, I guess yeah. I'll call it. <laughs> so so if you if you want, uh, you think maybe you want to talk to a financial planner or you're thinking that maybe your financial planner is not doing a good job for you, give him a call at the office. The first consultation is free. Phone number 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And you'll on the prompt just hit Harrison Johnson. You can also, uh, through our website, get them there as well, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Harrison Johnson, I, I think he's one of the best financial planners in, in the county. Yeah, so. he, he, I, I just don't know anybody that does what he does. Because as we said before, a lot of tax filers just file taxes. They don't really right. do the tax planning. Uh, a lot of financial planners just sell product. They don't really do financial planning. I mean, he truly does the planning for yeah. you, and, and that's all he does. It takes a lot of time. Yeah, and he spends no time on marketing, no time on sale, no time on on, on investment products, it's all about the great financial plans. And I know all his clients are like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Yep. So give him a call. Test him out. All righty. Phone number's here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I was going to promote the workshop, uh, which is going to be Thursday, April 8th. But I've been John uh, has been waiting for a long time. So going to John and Coronado first. Good morning, John. How are you doing this morning? Uh, good, you guys. Um, yeah, that backdoor Roth, I've been using that for years. It's a great strategy. Good. Um, you know, the stock I'm looking at is 3M. All right, and I, I know you hold it. Now, is this a, a long-term hold for you, a short-term hold? You know, I've had it long-term, but I've been accumulating it over the years. Okay. And um, the, the stock's still down from its two, 2018 high of about 260. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's up in the, in the mid 180s. Pays a three percent dividend, a decent peg ratio, and wondering what you think about it. Yeah, it's one that I kind of looked at. I remember reading something, and I, I think there was some lawsuit or potential lawsuit coming up, but I, I can't remember. There's just something out there. But I'm gonna go over the numbers. We'll, we'll talk more more about it. again. The company is 3M. M M M is a symbol. I think it stands for Minnesota Mining and something else. Manufacturer. Manufacturer. There we go. P.E. ratio right now is 21. That is below the industry at 38.5. Uh, price of sales, 3.5. Above the industry at 2.7. No price of tangible book value. Same as the industry, and it's because they have accumulated a lot of companies over the years. And we do see price of cash flows, 15.5. Below the industry at 19.6. Now, they do pay a 3% dividend. They use 63% of their earnings to pay that out. Their sales are only up 0.15% year over year, but the industry is down 33 we do see earnings per share did climb by 18.3, but the industry is down 32.7, so that's a big thing for them. We do see that the current ratio is 1.9, above the industry at uh, 1.7. Not thrilled with the debt to equity. It's 146 versus 62. Now, 146, I don't like much above 120. I'm kind of worried about this. I'd want to find out, is their debt accumulating? Are they trying to pay it down? Did they buy a lot of stock back and lower their their assets, which increased the the, the um, uh, the equity, so so something or decrease the equity, so something going on with that. I'd, I'd want to know more before I said yes. This is a great company to invest into. We do see return on equity very good, forty-seven versus twelve point nine, which tells me maybe they don't have much in equity. 
reducing a net profit margin of 16.7 versus 7, receivable turnover 6.8 versus 5.3, and inventory turnover not very good, 3.9 versus 5. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for 3M company is $194.88. 52-week high is $194.95. And 52-week low, well, that's $130.91. And I, I like 3M. I mean, it's a nice, yeah. simple business. They have it's a, a lot business of we would buy, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, I know they have just like what, packaging tape. They, they just have simple stuff. And I think they have the little things that you can just poke on the wall, like thumbtack. They yeah. just have like these Post-it little, notes. Yeah, little, little things like that. But anyways, this is where I, I get... Frustrated with 3M, I guess, is the valuation on the forward earnings. I go to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings at $10.43. Would give us a target sell price of just $173.14. So it it wouldn't quite meet our criteria here. I do see their earnings, though. As you kind of mentioned there, the peg ratio. And for people that don't know what peg is, it's PE divided by growth. Gives you an idea how much you're paying for the earnings growth. The earnings for 2020 were $8.74. This year, $9.60. 2022, 1043, and then 2023. Again, that's a little far. I don't like to go up that far, but it's 1114 right now. So it does look like they have pretty sound earnings growth. Uh, we just don't like to go above that 16.6 multiple and make excuses for it. Yeah. And, and, and John, this is one that I would recommend as a sell. And I kind of talked about this earlier in the show because, yeah, it's a good company. You're doing well on it. It might continue to go up. But what are you missing? Because this company is kind of pricey right now. Uh, we know things going forward. They're not going to be this great forever. Perhaps it's better to sell. And again, if you came to us, we would sell this and say, hey, let's buy a company. This is trading at what, Chase, like 19 times uh, forward earnings maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll just call it that for, for sake here. Um, and buy something at 10, 12 times earnings. You, you're going to do far better over the next five years. And I think 3M will do it in the next five years. So. Uh, I know you're a long-term holder, but my recommendation, again, I, I would say I'd, I'd sell 3M. You're pretty uh, close, 18.7. Uh, uh, I, I guess I've been doing this for a while. I kind of guess the numbers there. <laughs> All right, John. All right, thanks, guys. Okay, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, Chase, you know we talk about all this stuff. I know we got, yeah, we got one minute here. Uh, but the workshop is coming up uh, Thursday, April 8th at 6 o'clock. going to be at Alesmith Brewery on uh, right off of Miramar Road. We're going to go over all this stuff for you, these mistakes that you might be making. And unfortunately, we can hopefully, if you come to the workshop, prevent those mistakes in the future for you by educating you on how to do things. So it is a free workshop. Seating is limited. Go to our website, smartinvesting 2000 Dot com. That's smartinvesting2000.com or call the office 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Be great to see you there. Have conversations with people and have our first live workshop in over a year. So hope to see you then. Yeah, and I, I think it's just great for people to come and see this because you might be listening to the show now. It might have been, you know, maybe a couple of years, maybe even just a couple of months. And it's like, I, I kind of understand. I'm kind of starting to pick up more. This kind of ties the whole picture yeah. together. We go into more detail. A lot of times we say, well, it's going to take more research. We'll show you what that more research is that we're talking about. So I, I think it's just a great thing for, for people that listen to the show. Yep. Hope to see you there. All right. Uh, stay tuned for the second half of the Smart Investing Show. Phone numbers here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You are listening to Smart Investing Show. Brent and Chase, stay with us. We'll be back.
Alrighty, welcome back to the second hour of the Smart Investing Show. And yes, those phone lines are all open now. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And our, our, our crack analyst here, Brendan, he actually looked up for 3M what the lawsuit was. He found one, and we think there could be multiple ones. But he said it was on the the earplugs. Yeah, not being effective. Not being effective, yeah. And I guess that'd be a big one because if not effective, you're going to get you know, loss of hearing, you're going to sue them. Like, hey, your plugs didn't work. How would you know that, though? I mean, you know. I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to say it. Companies get sued for everything Yes, nowadays, I know. So. I, I know. And, and I do remember the one where somebody sued. Was it McDonald's they sued because they spilled? They were getting weight. Oh, that one, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I forgot the one where they were getting weight. The other one, too, they spilled hot coffee. Like, well, it's your own fault. You put it between your legs. I didn't know it was hot. What do you mean? You ordered hot coffee. <laughs> and I know some people now say, I want extra hot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, they burn their mouth or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, well actually, my fiance's done that. I go, well, why did you order extra hot? Why oh, my tongue burned? I go, well, yeah, because you ordered extra hot. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, they need to make a rule or a law about common sense because I don't know where it went, but it's not here any longer. It's not so common. <laughs> yeah. Does everything have to have a disclaimer in it now? I mean, you know, we have to have disclaimers for this show that I don't know if people listen to at the end, but yeah. we have a disclaimer there. It's like, what, when the person sells you a hot coffee, do they have to give you a written disclaimer saying, be careful, this coffee may be hot and may burn your mouth before you drink it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it just it's, gets crazy. Yeah. And, and I remember the one that really got me was somebody sued. And then again, the attorneys, the attorneys are, they're, they're looking for ways. They're the know, winners. They're the winners. And they sued this company. This I, I want to say it was a big, like a Walmart or something. Because they were selling bikes, and on the bike, it did not have a thing to tell people to wear a helmet. Yeah. So now, if you look on bikes, I guess it has a logo now that says, wear a helmet. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bring up one more loss. Sure. And this is what, I, I mean, so I, when I was playing college football at NAU, I was technically in NCAA. Right. And they sued the video game, basically. There's a class action lawsuit because they were using the player's likeliness to uh you know produce games and so forth they weren't using names but numbers it was pretty much the person but there's so many people and it's funny because i'm a no one and then you have somebody did like did you get any money i mean you i could have team. gotten like but i think it broke down to like 90 dollars, and you had to do all this paperwork and that was if you actually if everybody filled it out probably would have been less right but i'm gonna say the funny part is the superstars you know the guys that went to Alabama, you know, like <laughs> they didn't get much from it either because it was a class action lawsuit. And plus there's so many people be involved in that. Oh, I mean, yeah. NAU was in like, I mean, I could have applied for it and right. I was like, Jesus. But the point I bring up here is I almost didn't do it out of principle because I loved NCAA football. Right. The video game. And they no longer made it because they couldn't afford it anymore because they would have to play all the Yeah, they had to they would have had to play all the players. The, I mean, there's so many players yeah. in NCAA versus the NFL. They would have had to pay them for their likeliness. So NCAA football, the video game, hasn't been around for years because, because they, they really? can afford it. Well, it's, good news. They're bringing it back here shortly. Oh, there's oh. a rumor about it, though. So <laughs> I, I hope it's so. It's 100% true, right. but there's a rumor. And probably NAU will be there, but I think I hope they take out uh, Montana State. <laughs> oh, oh, I am <laughs> done with your show. I'm walking. <laughs> Brandon, he, he, Brandon loves Tesla's and he hates Montana State. <laughs> That's reverse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the calls here. 866-577-2473. 866-577-2473. You know, and I was just thinking we haven't done anything on, on Facebook lately, so maybe 
uh, Rose and Jairus uh, stay with us, but uh, we we've been kind of lax on Facebook. So uh, you want to do Robert from Facebook? Yeah, uh, he's got some, and I know I feel bad because Robert's been asking about Lockheed Martin LMT for I think three weeks now, and we just run out of time every time. And so I want to make sure we got to well, him. Good. Got and he also has another question that we'll address after we look at Lockheed Martin. For okay. Him. All right. So, and I'm glad we, we went that direction. I didn't know he's been looking for the past three. I was going to make sure we did. We, we that did. One okay. Day. So Robert, this is for you. I hope he's watching Facebook Live so we can we can get it here. Uh, coming again as a Lockheed Martin symbol LMT. We do see a PE ratio. Great start here. 14.9 versus not material for the industry. Price to sales very good. 1.6 versus two. Uh, unfortunately, no price attainable book value, and that's the norm for this industry. We do see price of cash flow checks in at 12.5, well below the industry at 76. Now, you get a nice dividend here of 2.9%. They use 40% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are up year over year, 9.3%. Industry down 3.5. Earnings per share climbed by 11.6%. The industry fell by 104%. Unfortunately, getting to the balance sheet, the current ratio is 1.4, about the same as the industry. I'm okay with that, but what I do not like seeing for Lockheed Martin, <clears throat> debt to equity, 202, well above the industry at 138. I don't know why their debt is so high, uh, but you'd want to look into that to find out why, because I'm just not thrilled with that type of debt to equity. We do see return on equity is 150 versus a negative 1.2. Kind of tells me maybe their equity is very small with that type of return on equity. Net profit margin checks in at 10.5 versus a negative 0.5. Receivable turnover is 5.7 versus 4.4. That is good. And inventory turnover, last 12 months, 15.8 versus 2.3. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? So current price here for Lockheed Martin was $364.71. 52-week high, $417.62. And 52-week low, $319.81. I go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share at $28.04. It would give us a target sell price of $465.46. So still some potential growth there. Um, I, I do think the defense contractors are kind of interesting right now. They, they all seem to be trading at pretty decent valuations. I will say one thing that I would be cautious of with the defense manufacturers is I know we have one that actually does more on the IT side. And I think that's where wars are going to be fought more heavily over the, the kind of right. future years to come. It'll be less on the ground. And it'll still, of course, be on the ground because you don't want to ever allow somebody to just come into your country and right. take over your take land over. with tanks and planes and right. stuff. So that's still going to be around, I do believe. But th I think the IT side is very important. I don't know if Lockheed Martin's involved in that. I know they have that fighter jet um, that that uh, is quite popular. but. I, just kind of something I think about here. And again, it comes back to really understanding the product and, the, and the, that the company is doing because because I believe you're right as well. I think things are changing technology-wise in war as well. Uh, and you, we're still going to need the tanks. We're still going to need you know the, the, the jet fighters and so forth, but just not as many because war is going to be changing. So understand what Lockheed Martin does. And again, remember that debt. That debt looked kind of high, but I think it's because their equity is low. So you want to understand that as well. So I hope that uh, helped out him and people. And also, too, the, the new administration. Now, again, we talk about politics doesn't play a whole lot. But how is the new administration going to be on combating war? I, I think uh, I, it was Thursday, I believe it was, North Korea sent up, I think, three or four missiles into the Sea of Japan or something. And uh, what's the reaction going to be here? Are we going to be tough on this? Hopefully we are because we obviously don't want you know, yeah. to be taken over. But 
that's going to be the thing, too. Is it going to, you know, give more money to the military? Is going to keep defense contracting up? So we got to watch that. The other thing you got to think about, too, is presidents come and go. So, I mean, sometimes it it almost makes sense to buy a company like this when, like we said earlier on the show, with energy. It's like, well, you wouldn't think now is the time to buy energy, but... You know, if you have somebody that's not as strong on defense spending but doesn't cut it, it, it could get the defense companies through. And then also you have somebody that comes in and wants to increase defense spending. Well, now it's going to be too late to buy the defense companies once yeah. you find out that that president's coming in. So yeah. that, that's why I I don't like to play politics. I know we right. earlier in the show, but I do want to get to his other question because uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, it does say, also, do you ever use the past P.E. average for a specific company rather than the market average? The past P.E. company average of the, P, uh, of the company. Yeah, so, so like, like last five years, what the average has been. Yeah, so, and I, I mean, I, I kind of had the, the ability to read it ahead of time, so I already <laughs> had an answer in my head. But the thing I, that we look at here, and I remember watching CNBC, and I think this was like two years ago, mm-hmm. and somebody was trying to make the case that Facebook or Netflix was a value company because over the last five years, they traded at 30 times earnings, and now they were at 22 times earnings. Mm, actually, I just asked him. So the answer to his question is no, because right. a lot of times these growth companies like, sorry, Brendan, but a company like Tesla. Well, what are you <laughs> going to do? Their five-year average is 1,800. Are we going to use that? Well, it's a value company because now it trades at 1,000 times. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of where we wouldn't do that. And everything does revert back to the market over time. I will say the only time we've kind of made an exception is with extremely cyclical stocks. Yeah. Because when they're going on their boom cycles, they're not going to hit 16.6. I'll tell you that yeah. right right now. That, right. That's just not going to happen. So you kind of, we have looked at the historical peaks of what they traded at on their PEs at that time. But that's really the only time we've deviated from the 16.6. And we're looking to be more conservative saying this is not going to be that high. Yeah. As opposed to reverse, like, oh, the PE was 1,800. Now it's at 900. It's on sale 50% off. That is not what we do because you you, you don't want to make reasons to or justification to buy something at a high price. So and and by looking at the market average over history of what it's been and going forward on the Ford PE, what it's been, it, it gives you something to really compare to because that's what we're doing. And 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 we've talked about this before. To where there's a time that utilities would not trade above ten times earnings, went out there twenty times earnings. That's all mixed into our equation of what is the average for these companies. So comparing it to itself is is just, in my opinion, no, that's and, not going to work. And I think a lot of times people, they, they want to make like a justification for, let's say, like a biotech. And and the thing is, you, you can't apply the same, I'm going to say you can't apply the same loss to biotechs because a lot of biotechs are gambling. Right. You look at your major biotech firms like or your major pharmaceutical companies, you know, like your Pfizer's, your Abbey's, mm-hmm. you know, Bristol-Myers. They don't trade at 50 times earnings because they don't have that potential of like a one drug hit. Right. You're buying that small biotech because you're hoping that they come out with this cure for cancer in a couple of years and it spikes a thousand percent. That's a gamble that won't trade at 16.6 no, times no, earnings. And we no. know that. So you, you kind of have to understand why we use that multiple. And if you're using it to apply to different businesses like that, that, as I said, it's not really investing is more gambling it's not going to be the the same right all righty phone number is 866-577-2473 866-577-2473 let's go out to san diego and speak with rose rose you're in the smart investor brent chase how can we help you 
Thank you. The, the, the name is Phillips, and that's a P, let's see, P-H-G. Okay. And, yeah, Go, Phillips. I'm, yeah, I'm one L, one L in Phillips. Okay. Okay. And I think I'm coming up with something. I don't think we have the right company. It's Conjure, like Phillips, it's from the Netherlands. Is that the company you're looking at? No. No, no th this one is the one that makes hearing aids and CPAPs, medical hmm. supplies. Yeah, because when I put in PHG, that's what I'm coming up with. From yeah, me. I thought it might have been. Oh, well, that's, well, I was given that by this, someone just now. The name of the company is Phillips with one L. And I do have the Phillips in there with one L, but it's, there, there's other, I can't even pronounce the name. It's, it, it is traded on the New York Stock Exchange. I'm trying to look up the company to see if it is. Is that the one in the ne Netherlands that you're looking at? Because it's, no, I don't think it's a, it's I don't a, think so. So it's it's headquarters. All I all I know is I I just bought hearing aids at Costco, Philips, and I also have the CPAP supplies, Philips. That I'm thinking, mm. gee, everywhere I look, it's Philips. I mean, it's possible. So I thought maybe the, I would. The one that you're looking at is maybe a private company, uh, and we can't find oh. it. Yeah, I mean that that's possible. I mean, oh. what you can do, uh, Rose, is is maybe on Monday call call the company and, and see if they are a public company and say, well, if you're a public company, what is a okay. symbol? Because PHG is, is not coming up. We're, we're getting something different here. You, and it, Jason did some it, research here. What, what do you got? I would just check, and if they say that is the company, because I, I, it, it does look, it is in healthcare is this company, so it, they could provide. I don't see anything about hearing aids. I do see some other stuff about uh, diagnosis and treatment, connected care, personal health segments. So it could be the company rose, but like I said, the the yeah. beginning of it is Conic Phillips. It has the same logo when I looked it up too. Really? It has the oh. same Phillips logo. Yeah, really? with the hearing aids oh. on Costco, and then the company you guys are looking up. Okay, right so this now. this so may be the same company. Yeah, and, and, and just that it's, they're held by a company in the ne Netherlands versus oh. being a, a U.S. company. So. Uh, I'll check. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. check. Just double check and, and let us know. And uh, because again, the symbol comes up with that. I, I think we got the right company, but um, just double check with us. Okay, Rose. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you for calling. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. That opens on the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three and i don't want to forget that it's coming up very quickly the workshop we have coming up april 8th uh six o'clock in the evening we're going to show you how we use the fundamentals to get us through covid 2019 understand the details of calculating our target sell price and what we see happening the rest of 2021 and looking forward to 2022 and if you've been confused on how to invest you're not sure now things are kind of high should i invest should i go to cash what should i do this workshop is designed for you you need to come to the workshop again Thursday, April 8th at 6 o'clock. It's going to be held at Ale Smith Brewery right off of Miramar Road. Go to our website, sign up, and it is free, but seating is limited. Uh, website, smartinvesting2000.com. That again is smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office 858 546 4306. Again, that's 858 546 4306. Ask for Janae. She'll get you signed up, and we look forward to seeing you April 8th starting at 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery at our first live shop, live workshop in over a year. All righty, phone numbers again, 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jairus. Jairus, you're on the Smart Vessel, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Appreciate all you do as always and uh, miss you guys, but I've been listening every Saturday, so all right. enjoying the, the learning process. So 
looking at Walgreens, WBA. Just need your your advice. All right. You know, and this one came across uh, last week, and I was kind of looking at this one, and kind of a, a tip for people. Uh, Rite Aid had a big pullback uh, last week, and I, I said, Chase, let's take a quick look at this one. And what was the debt to equity? 500? 500%. Yeah, it's like, okay, done with that one. Yeah. <laughs> but but this is the other one that we kind of look at. We, we looked at another company like this, so I'm kind of excited to look at Walgreens Boots Alliance. What does that boots mean? Where did that come from, I wonder? Maybe there's another business. I, I don't know. So. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know where it came from. But anyway, symbol is WBA. Uh, unfortunately here, I just looked down, no P.E. ratio. But that's the same as the industry. Price of sales, 0.3 versus 0.17. No price of book value. Again, same in this industry, and I think because there's a lot of buying going on, it's a lot of goodwill on balance sheets, what you have to be careful of. We do see price of cash flow, 38 versus 6.3. They do pay a 3.6% dividend, but the dividend pay ratio not material because they apparently have no earnings over the last 12 months. We do see sales are up uh, 3% year over year, or three, yeah, 3% year over year. Industry up 4.9. Unfortunately, earnings fell by 100 and 20% industry down 90. Look at the balance sheet. You got a current ratio of 0.7 versus 0.97. A little bit nervous on that. That could be a liquidity problem for the company. Debt to equity does look good though. 87 versus 128. Return on equity is a negative 3.2 versus a negative 14. That is a positive for the negative. And we do see the net profit margin negative 0.6 versus a negative 0.7 for the industry. Receivable turnover is 18.5 versus 15.3, and inventory turnover 10.5 versus 11.8. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? So I did look up Boots Alliance. It, I think it is another like uh, kind of similar Walgreens-esque company, but it, it was <coughs> in uh, the U.K. and Switzerland, oh. uh, and it was actually a merger in 2014. So it was just a, another business that, that was over there in, in Europe. Yep. Uh, another thing I was just thinking about, too, Jairus, is uh, – I do believe that Walgreens was one of the companies that got displaced in the Dow. I believe there was a few like Exxon and like they remember they they took Salesforce mm -hmm. and wanted to make it more tech heavy. I kind of want to do a research project here and see because the Dow has done relatively well against the indexes this year. <clears throat> but had they stuck with those companies like the energy, like the Walgreens, and I know they put Salesforce in there. I just looked up Salesforce at uh, 284. Now it's at 209. I am curious if they would have done better uh, than sticking with companies like Walgreens here. Because I, I look at Walgreens, it's done pretty well. I mean, current price is 52.03, 52-week high is 56.12, and 52-week low, well, that's $33.36. I go out to August 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.26. Gives us a target sell price of $87.32. I, I, I like that uh, myself, and I, it takes more research because, again, we're, we're trying to find a business that's a good business. I want to know more what they own. Um, and, and there's another drug company out there. Uh, well, and actually, we, we were kind of looking at it. It became too expensive. with CVS, and they had, um, who was it? Aetna. Aetna, insurance company. So we kind of like that. <clears throat> I'm not sure what else Walgreens is holding here. Yeah, they had that the, the pharmacy for the drug company from back in Europe, and I guess. Well, I, I would wonder what Boots Alliance does, I guess. I, yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of throwing out there. Um, and I like that um, uh, CVS had the Minute Clinic because that brings people in there. My, my yeah. concern is with Walgreens, what is going to bring people into their retail stores? What's going to get them in there? So so I like the numbers on it, um, but I still would want to do a little more research on it. So, But I, I think it's worth looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they're they're doing a little bit with uh, the whole vaccine and the, uh, the shots and distribution and all that. But uh, okay. I think they're also looking into getting uh, kind of a nurse practitioner in the store. Okay. Um, similar to CVS, I believe. So trying to get some info on that. Haven't been real successful, but uh, I'll keep looking. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep looking. I, I think it's worth uh, putting the time into it because I think there could be something here. All right, Jairus. All right. Well, in the meantime, I'm up about uh, $15, so doing okay for now. Uh, on Walgreens, you're up 15 so you bought it like at the, the pretty good low here then, I guess, right? Yeah, early or, or mid-December, I believe, uh, it, it had a, taken a dip, and I thought, well, let me get in and then see what's going on. Okay. Actually, you know you're supposed to see what's going on before you get in, but congratulations on yeah. getting in there yeah. and doing well there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know that now. You didn't tell me that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> before. No, I'm catching on. All right, Jairus. Well, sounds good. Have a good one. Thanks for calling. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Special Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, guys. Uh, I bought GE with an average share price of around $7, and I heard a reverse split is coming because they have too many shares out. Correct. And it's not quite been a year yet, but I was wondering, should I hold it through the reverse split, or should I just cash in on you know, what I got so far? Well, wow, that, that's a tough question because we talked about this, I think, last week. And by the way, if you missed what we talked about last week, it was last week, wasn't it, Chase, we talked about it? Um, you can go better uh, back. Uh, podcast and actually yeah. pull pull that up because so. um, it, it's just something that we don't like reverse splits. It's kind of like a, a desperation mode. But we did talk about usually I, I, th- I think like sixty percent of the companies that do it go bankrupt. But those are smaller companies. GE's not a smaller company, so it, it, there's some unknowns under there. So I, I want to kind of look at the numbers again. Maybe they're, they're changing uh, and see if we can give something uh, there as well. Some some tips here for you. Company again is GE, uh, General Electric. Company uh, symbol is GE. Uh, P.E. ratio 21.7 versus not material for the industry. Uh, price to sales 1.4 versus 2. Price to book value 451 versus not material for the industry. And price to cash flow for GE, not too bad, 10 versus 76. Now they pay a very small dividend of 0.3%. Use 19% earnings to pay that out. Their sales did fall by 16% year-over-year. Industry fell by 3.5. They did have a reverse on their earnings with a growth of 8,649. Well, the industry was down 104, but that number is pretty high. I think they had like maybe a penny in earnings before, so not a not a big gain with the 8,000% uh, 8, gain uh, dollar-wise. Uh, balance sheet, current ratio 1.6 versus 1.5. That's okay. Debt to equity 211 versus 138. We see return on equity, very good for GE, 16.4 versus 1.2 negative. Uh, they have a negative profit. No, they have a positive profit margin of a 7.2. The industry is a negative 0.5. And then we see receivable turnover of 3.4 below the industry of 4.4. You would want that higher. Uh, same thing, inventory turnover of 3.6. That is higher than the industry, so that's a good thing. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for GE is $12.99. 52-week high is $14.42, and 52-week low is $5.48. I go out to December 2022. Unfortunately, I see estimated earnings per share of just $0.51. Gives the target sell price of $8.47. So, I mean, GE, I think you said last week, it's one that we we wanted to like, but we just yep. we can't. It just doesn't, doesn't fit the valuations there. 
And and Tim, you said you're close to your 12 months. How how close are you? Uh, probably about two months away. Like the reverse split's going to happen before I get to the 12 months. That's why I was worried. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one because, um, and it depends on the other factors as well. Yeah, I mean, how much your gain is going to be. Um, you know, your other tax situation. Because you may kind of break it down and say, you know what, it's going to cost me $200 uh, in taxes uh, net if I sell it now. I would think it's worth that to say, you know, let's, let's get out now because the numbers don't make any sense. Um, if it's like $20,000, well, now you might have a different situation. So uh, you got to kind of make that personal decision on how much it's going to cost you tax-wise. So and remember, the tax is only on the, the gain. So a change from a short-term to long-term gain, see how much that's going to cost you. Maybe it won't cost you as much as you think. Alrighty. Well, fortunately, my real money is with you guys, so it's not going to cost me that much, so I'll probably be selling it. All right. Well, that's good, <laughs> and we like hearing that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You guys have a great Saturday. You too, Tim. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I wanted to go back to the call with Jairus. I did look into that Dow thing, and I was wrong. Walgreens was added to the Dow a few years ago, added not to the removed okay. from the Dow. The ones that I was thinking of was last year when Apple did that uh, reverse, not reverse split. They did the split on the stock. They got rid of Exxon. Uh, let's see, where'd it go? They got rid of Exxon and some other, oh, Pfizer. And then I think it was like Raytheon. And they displaced uh, it with like Amgen. Salesforce was the big one. Yeah. And then there was another uh, industrial company. But the, the funny thing is I, I was kind of correct in saying <laughs> that they shouldn't have got rid of Exxon. And oh, since yeah. the announcement, I believe Salesforce is down about 25% and Exxon's up about 40%. And I was just kind of looking briefly since August, which is when I saw the article on here, and that, that's about the time frame. And that's what I kind of figured. It's just like I remember talking about it on the radio show saying, why are they adding Salesforce when it's trading at these lofty valuations? You're getting rid of Exxon. When it's been a, we weren't big fans of it, but I wouldn't right. have displaced it with Salesforce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Salesforce has been around for a while, and but you still have energy. And are they the only energy company, or were the only energy Chevron? Company? Chevron's in there now, yeah. So, uh, thing I would like to look at too would be interesting to me as well. Over the last hundred years, how many times have they changed it down? To me, it seems like over the last ten years they've changed it more. Yeah than perhaps over the last 50 years. And that could be a problem because now you're using index to compare to that they're kind of like, the, the Warren Buffett's gone. They got these new guys in here like, what are you guys doing? An index you're supposed to buy and hold long term. So I, I, I'm just guessing on that, but it would be kind of curious because I, I think they're changing a lot more than they used to. Um, and we don't like the Dow anyways. A no. lot of people, oh, the Dow, the Dow, it's, it's complicated. It's a price-weighted index, which means it right. trade like, the higher price companies, like a Salesforce, when it, when it went out there at 289, was actually one of the highest components of the yeah. Dow, which has probably cost the Dow's performance. Yeah. And I, I bet you if they would have left it alone, I bet you the returns would have been better. I got an idea. Why don't we come up with a Wham index? Well, I think that's our portfolio. <laughs> we don't want to share that <laughs> yeah, information. That's right. we yeah, yeah, we'd have to. Okay, so we'll, let's scratch that. <laughs> Wham index for clients only. Okay, yeah. how, how's that? All right. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about uh, you know the workshop coming up because I, it's, it's only two weeks away, so I don't, I don't want people to miss this because it is going to be great. Uh, we, we've done the, I've done these workshops for 20 years, and I've never had anybody say I didn't learn anything. You will learn something to come to our workshops. It really will put your feet on the ground when it comes to investing, um, but you gotta you got to sign up for it. 
Uh, it is going to be Thursday, April 8th at 6 o'clock uh, at Alesmith Brewery right off of uh, Miramar Road. We're going to show you how to calculate target prices, sell prices, how we get our buy prices, uh, understanding some of these numbers we go over here on the radio show, talk about things you shouldn't be doing investment-wise, mistakes that we've seen uh, over my 40 years of people doing this. We're going to show you those mistakes. Don't make those mistakes. Uh, and it, it lasts about uh, probably about two hours, I think, is what we generally go for. Uh, and we will have a no-host uh, beer and food because it's an Alesmith uh, brewery. But you got to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306, 888 546 and she'll get you signed up. Yep. All right. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's head up to Escondido and speak with Luke. Luke, you're on the Smart Best Brent Chase. How can we help you? How's it going? Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just driving right now. Oh. Um, I had a couple, I had a question. I asked the first guy I talked to. I was curious if you guys talk about cryptocurrency at all. Uh, we, we talk about it, but we don't promote it. Uh, what is your question on it? <laughs> well, um... There's this new crypto. I don't know if you've heard any of the hype about this coin called Dogecoin. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Bitcoin's been doing really well in the last few, mainly the last six months. It's been just going like crazy. But I did, I bought into Bitcoin or Dogecoin when it was only 0.002 cents and then ended up shooting up to about six cents. Made some money on it, but it's kind of, it looks like it's about to just be really stagnant for a while. So I wasn't sure if I should sell it or keep it or if you guys had any advice uh, and luke i mean the advice we have is that we know people making money off of cryptocurrency and, and doing great again congratulations on on your your gain there you just have to realize that it's very speculative and 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 you've got to be real careful because you know again should you sell now i mean you could sell douchecoin at um uh what six cents and go to 12 cents like oh i shouldn't have sold i i know somebody that had bitcoin at 40 dollars and now it's what fifty thousand. you know so it's just one of these things that you're 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 playing a very exciting game but there's no reason for it to go up or down just based on the momentum and who can tell what the momentum is so um i would say if you, you enjoy doing it you're doing pretty good good with it you know keep doing it but make sure you have your serious investment money as well yeah, it's it's definitely a gamble. Um, you should be kind of saving and investing. I, I'd say in, I don't want to say more conservatively, but in in good sound businesses that that aren't as speculative. I mean, I we honestly do believe cryptocurrency is worthless. So I I, I think it could go to zero. So you, you just have to know it's a gamble. That yeah, it could go higher and it, it could get crazy, but you know it also could go to zero. Yeah. All right, Luke. Thanks for the advice, sir. Hi, man. Have a good one. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I thought maybe take a look at the Facebook uh, questions here. Uh, Jason on Facebook, SPY. Is that the spider, the 500 index? Yeah, and he had more comments yeah, here. I'm trying to yeah. pull it up. Sometimes I hate Facebook. I'm like... We had all these comments, and then they like kind of yes. get rid of the, the comments, and I'm like trying to find which ones I wanted to look at. But basically, I'll, I'll try and summarize it off of my sure. memory here. Uh, he has a four-year-old son, and he's just been uh, putting money away for his uh, son, kind of for the future over the last four years, and a I think he said a Vanguard account into SPY, 
uh, just kind of wondering if that's a good idea and how to evaluate ETFs um, kind of for the long term. Yep. You know, one thing I do want to bring up, <clears throat> when people come in for a presentation where we show them how we're going to invest their money and so forth, we bring up this, you know, the last 20 years. And I think, and no one's ever said, that. well, that can't be true. But I think people think the index is done so, so well. Like, oh, you're going to do so well, so I'm going to put my grandson's money in there. I'm going to put my kid's money in there and so forth. Over the last 20 years, the return on the S&P 500 is, I believe, 6.1%. Mm -hmm. It's not that great. Um, and again, so I, I'm not into index investing because yes, recently I think the five-year return might be like 14 or 15%, the five-year return. But again, you're talking about a grandson that could be for, what's his son but or yeah. son could be for 10, 15, 20 years. Because once you start college, you don't take everything out. You still got another four years to go. Hopefully there's something left over at the end. So you might be talking 15, 20 years. So I, I, I've never been like, oh yeah, put in the S and P 500 and I hate when, for our clients, we do give them advice on what they have with a 401k and so forth. I think we had one that all they had was all the indexes. And gosh, it just irritated me because that's not the right thing to do for long-term investing. Well, and, and what I'm going to say here is generally for like smaller accounts, we recommend finding a good value fund. And, and for our clients, we give away that value fund. I'm yep. not going to do that here on air. No. But um, there is a, a good value fund that we like to use. I'd rather put the money there and kind of off topic, but as you just kind of said with the 401ks, it's so funny because now value investing has been out of favor, but now it's kind of coming back into favor. Well, for the past few years, there's been 401k accounts we look at. They don't even have a value fund option. That's right. And they'll have like two or three growth fund options. It's like, what is this 401k advisor <laughs> doing? That's a whole other topic that we can discuss. <laughs> but the point being is I would rather than put it in the S&P 500 because that's what you're evaluating there, essentially, Jason, is you're, you're looking at, well, what's the S&P 500? There's no real analysis that you can do on 500 different companies. You have to know, of course, it's a market-weighted index. And we don't like the indexes because, well, if you do a technology index or you do a retail index, I'd rather just buy a retail company. I'd rather buy a good technology company. And I, I know Jason does his research. I would say when your son's account gets over $5,000, do what you've done for your investment. Yeah. I think he's done well on his accounts. Just do your good value-based approach for that account as well, and your son will be off to a great start. And then you let him take it over when he's 18, hopefully, and hopefully he continues on the right path and doesn't do crazy things with it. Right. But at that point, it is his money, so we can do what he would like. But I'd say to start a, a good value fund is is what I would recommend. And you want to find a value fund that's not a combination fund, I'm going to say. Right. You want to make sure they're buying good value companies. You want to make sure they don't have high valuations. They have the fundamentally sound businesses in yeah. there. And I would say, too, I mean, because this is what how I started investing for money or pe uh, money for people was I said, well, wait a minute, if I'm going to buy X, Y, Z for me, I should buy it for you and all my clients. So that's what I do. So same thing for, for Jason here. It's like if you're going to buy X, Y, Z for your portfolio, shoot, buy it for your son's portfolio. You know I mean? It, it, it makes your life easier. And, and be, oh, well, you're older. And so, no, everybody wants to make money. And Gosh. that's what I've looked at. We talk about starting investing when you're 20 and how the compounding would pay off. Can you imagine starting investing when you're zero? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Under one, you're going to have a yeah, great, great start there. Right, so that, right. that's an awesome thing that Jason is doing for his, his son there. Yeah. Um, but just make sure that uh, you know he, he kind of learns along the way as well. Right. And also, too, we talked about the 20-year return on the index being 6.1%. Well, if, we, if you've had, I'm just going to guess here, five years of high returns, What's the next five years look like? 
it may not be high returns. It could be below the 6.1%. It could be like 2%. Yeah. So be careful on the index investing. All righty. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I'm actually going to disagree with you there. What's that? I'm going to say that it's done well in the last five years. I think the next 20 years will be about that 6% because what's included in that mm-hmm. is the tech bust. So that's why, so we'll, move, we'll, years. we'll yeah. displace that tech bust, but I think over the next five years, since we've done so well, <laughs> that the next five years of the index, as you said, is not going to be as good. So that 20-year average might still be around 6%. Yeah, because we're, we're looking at 2001 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, we do it on a yearly basis. So when it will start looking good again, you're right, it's maybe next year, because if the number's really low and it compounds, because right now I think we're still looking at high numbers, so you're coming down. Um, so next year could actually change, maybe go, go up a little bit, but still in the short term, the five year, I think in the next five years, it's not going to be well. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, yeah. And, and this is the fascination we have with numbers. Yeah. When you really understand the numbers and you think about them, you can really understand them as opposing, oh, the index is a great place. The index last 10 years, it's averaged, I think like 13%. It, it's, it's a very, very strong number. Yeah. I, I know that, but it, it's, I just don't see over the next 10 years how it does well. Yep, I call it understanding the fun of numbers. I just love that fun. We we look at numbers and we laugh. <laughs> we just get all excited about it. <laughs> all right, let's go back to the calls here. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with George. George, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, I'm looking to buy a GRWG. Okay, and what'd you see about that, George? What did I see? Well, yeah. it's a farming yeah. company. No, where'd you hear about it? Where'd you see it? Where'd you hear it? I, I forget. Forgot? Okay. Well, we'll take a look. The uh, company is uh, Grow Generation Corporation, symbol GRG. I think it was as a farming company, so that makes sense, Grow Generation Corporation. I don't think I've ever looked at this in my entire career here, uh, 28 years on the radio, so I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, P.E. ratio, 740 versus 43. Well, my excitement just went down somewhat. Uh, price of sales, 15 versus 0.85. Price to book value twenty six versus three point one, and price of cash flow four fifty seven versus eighteen. Gosh, these valuation ratios are just uh, extremely high. Uh, no dividend, but you do have some great growth rates here. Now I don't know what's going on here, but you got a sales growth year over year last twelve months one hundred and forty percent increase versus negative one point eight for the industry. Earnings per share climbed by two hundred and sixty seven percent, but the industry is up one thousand five hundred percent. Uh, looking at the balance sheet, you got a current ratio here of 4.97 versus 1.5. So company's liquid. Debt to equity, very good. 0.25 versus 14. So almost no debt on the balance sheet. That's a positive. However, return on equity, not very good. It's 4 versus 3.2. Net profit margin, 2.1. Just slightly ahead of the industry at 1.97. And then you have receivable turnover, 42 versus 6. That's a big one. And then inventory turnover, not so good, 4 versus 5.3. Chase, I'm very curious. Any numbers going forward this company? I'm kind of worried here. It's, it's very strange. I mean, the, the current price here for growth generation is $44. 52-week high is $67.75. 52-week low is $3.06. I mean, they have a market cap of $2.3 billion, so it's decent size. But I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of 66 cents would give you a target sell price of $10.96. So it's very expensive. And I did look into it. They <clears> operate <throat> gardening stores. I mean, it's not like they have <clears> this <throat> next technology. I'm, I'm very curious, George, why this is trading at such lofty valuations. I mean, I do see that their earnings in 
2020 were 11 cents. This year they are estimated to be 47 cents. So what happened between last year and this year to get such a huge growth on those earnings and sales? Are they expanding? I mean, there, there's a lot of questions that I have here with this business. But I mean, at the, the valuations, there's a lot of risk to it. And I say they, they did report record fourth quarter earnings and stuff. So, I mean, the things are going well, but it's, it's like a retail company. I, I get maybe the concept because with a stay-at-home, you know, uh, economy, we'll call it, people may be gardening more and doing more gardening. Well, They're I actually also into cannabis, it looks like, as well. Oh. So that's another huge thing, too. All right. Thank you, Brandon, because that's. If they're in cannabis, that could be part of it. So they're growing cannabis maybe as well or selling cannabis or something. Uh, but, but George, it, it, it just on the fundamentals doesn't make sense. Uh, th- this is one that, again, it could be at 44 today. could be at 60 tomorrow and then 10 uh, next week. So it's just not fundamentally a, a business I'd want to put my money into. All righty? Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, George. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866 577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's head up to Oceanside and speak with Joe. Joe, you're on the Smart Vessel, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Brent and Chase. Always a pleasure talking um, to you as well, and that you're there for us. What can I help you? Well, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned compounding. That remind me of something I forgot to bring up last week in our conversation about the you know taking the dividends as cash or reinvesting them, and you know. Albert Einstein, compounding. How do you argue with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you can't. I mean, and, and I, uh, compounding's been what they call the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, because you know, the, whether the stock, the fundamentals, whatever, you know, it's still going to fluctuate. So you might, you know, if you if you truly don't time the market, then you could be getting it at lower prices as well as higher prices. So it's. I don't know. I just want to throw that out there. Sure. For, everything and the guy uh the gentleman who talked about uh ge um you know kramer actually said that uh, i mean I, yeah i don't like reverse splits either but kramer <laughs> actually defended ge said oh they're not doing it for that reason like in other words I, I forgot exactly what he said but he said yeah it wasn't a bad thing in this case so maybe that gentleman can hear maybe he can go back and research and try to find what kramer said about that yeah and we did talk about with GE, perhaps they're trying to get more, because there could be limits on what some of these hedge funds and stuff can buy dollar-wise. It could be a $25 limit, and they're at $12 a share. So we know there could be other reasons, and, and, and I think what is Kramer bringing up, but I still don't like the company. I mean, there's, I, so you reverse split, your earnings aren't going to change. You're just going to reverse the earnings as well. So uh, I've not always agreed with Kramer over the years. I, I think sometimes he, I mean, he has a, every single day, he's got to come up with something exciting to talk about. And be yeah, frank, sometimes value investing, well, it's not that exciting. So. Well, you know, he has been known as a kiss of death, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I wanted to talk about, oh, I heard you guys talking about it uh, in the past, recent past. And, you know, because I owned it when you were talking about it. Some guy brought it up. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I got it at such a decent price that, it, you know, so I get a good dividend off it. So regardless of, I mean, because it's already you guys would have sold it, you said. I mm-hmm. still own it. I decided not to sell it. Um, I did put in a price target um, at 65, um, and it's you know getting close to that now. But uh, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, sounds like you're hesitating to hit that sell button. <laughs> is what it sounds like, Joe. Like, ah, you know, yeah, I know. I did when it got close. I thought about just canceling it, but I, but it's like, you know, when you get something at such a good price, you're getting such a good dividend. I mean. Joe, you know, with all the hesitation I'm hearing, it sounds like you're in love with this stock. You know, you kind of get all 
your tongue gets that bothers me too. (laughs) That bothers me too. Yeah, the emotion thing. Yes, I know. I try to play that. But anyways, that's the stock I'd like to throw at you again today. Yeah, let's take a look at the Realty Income Corporation. Symbol is O as in over. Uh, Oprah? <laughs> no, Oprah, there we go. Uh, P.E. ratio is very high, 56 uh, versus not material for the industry. Price of sales, very high, 14.5 versus 2.7. Price to book value is 2.6, above the industry at 1.7. Uh, the only thing below the industry average is price of cash flow at 22 versus 25. Now, they do pay a 4.4 attractive dividend. That's a percentage basis. Uh, but they use 243% of their earnings to pay that out. I know that's a read, so Chase is going to look at the funds for flow from operations. Uh, we do see that their sales growth year over year, 10.7%. Industry down, 16.8%. Earnings per share did fall by 16.9%. But the whole industry, well, they were down 255 Look at the balance sheet. No current ratio versus 0.47 for the industry. Debt equity does look good for a REIT. 80 versus 272 because a lot of REITs, they do ha- carry very, very heavy debt. Return on equity is 3.8, positive, initially a negative 7.7. Return uh, Net profit margin checks in at 24 versus a negative 14. And receivable turnover is 7.1 versus 5.6. Chase, what about the numbers going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Realty Income Corporation, $64.22. So it is uh, approaching that target you have is $65. Could hit that on Monday. Maybe Joey might be getting ready <laughs> to pull the trigger there. But a uh, 52-week high is $66.80 and 52-week low, that's $43.41. I do go out to December 2022 and I see funds from operation estimated $3.65 would give us a target sell price of $60.59. So kind of where we said we would sell it. And one thing I'll say is don't necessarily fall in love with the dividend just because you bought it and your yield is very high on it now. One thing I'll say, I think you said the dividend yield is like 4.39%. Mm-hmm. Well, so your yield on it is higher. That is correct. But let's just say to make matters simple, you invest a thousand, you're, you're worth about a thousand dollars. So you're getting what, 400 or uh, four. I don't know why I made it so hard on myself. <laughs> Let's say you invest $100, so you're getting $4.39 in a dividend. If you were to currently take that $100 and buy another REIT that pays 5%, I can tell you that's we like a REIT that pays 5%. Well, now you're getting $5 in terms of that dividend. So if you look at the initial cost of capital, if you take that and you actually invest into something that now has a higher yield than what realty income has, your yield on your initial cost of capital is actually higher than if you stay with realty income. So I wouldn't just fall in love with that dividend. I wouldn't, I always tell people again, we look at the total return, not just the dividend. So it's not a reason to do it, but I can tell you, you can find other things with a higher yield at the current time. And I think that are less expensive than realty income. And, and Joe, we, we know things are higher now and, and, and we're, we're sitting on a lot of cash in our portfolio. Uh, we're being very patient. We, we could be waiting six months from now, but the wait is gonna be worth it because again, you're talking about a 5% dividend I'm rounding up here, um, a 5% dividend. Gosh, if things pull back 10%, just just 10%, it would take you two years to make up that dividend because you were, you know, didn't want to sell it. You, you fell in love with it. So um, I, I, I'd have to say it's above the target sell price. Uh, sell, get out, and you may not find anything to buy right now. That's a problem we're having. We can't find anything to buy right now, but we're going to be patient. I've done this for 40 years, and patience always pays off. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say sell as well. Yeah, I mean, stick. Yeah, that's what I was, well, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, stick. I mean, you got that 65 price in your head. If, if that's what you want to sell it at, don't. I mean, that's one thing is we always stick to our 16.6 multiple. I don't know where you got the 65 from, but if you 
stay disciplined with that 65. Stay disciplined with it because all of a sudden you could keep moving it higher and higher. Oh, I'm going to wait till it hits 70, and then it goes back down to 50. Like, Gosh, I knew I should have stuck to 65. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, just- no. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and that's, that's the thing, Chase. You know, it's, it's trying to find another thing that pays, you know, because I'm probably getting an over 5% dividend on it. And uh, that's, it's, it's like you said, it's hard to find anything like that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I probably will leave it at the 65, and it is a love fest, definitely, because it's a monthly dividend, you know. So yeah. uh, even if it went down, you know, imagine we go back up, and you know, because it's a local company, and mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'll just leave it there. I just wanted to hear you guys' take on it because yeah, it's you know, emotions are hard to control. Yeah, and, and all of these stumbling and so forth. That's love coming in, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, you have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, that opens on the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, this is one thing we will be talking about at the workshop is the buy prices and cost of capital and all these things to really help you make these tough decisions when it comes to selling. I mean, this is what we do at the workshop. And when you leave, and again, it's, it's about two, I think 90 minutes maybe. I think that's about when we go. depends on the questions. But, I mean, you're really going to understand and have a better feeling for it. And, and we pick a target sell price of the 16.6. Why? Because when we sell it, we're not going to change that. Now, the problem with Joe, not to give him a problem, but he picked 65. I, I didn't hear the reason why. But what happens sometimes, you pick that arbitrary number 65. It hits there. Well, maybe now I should wait for 67. You yeah. know, And you do this, and you do this, and you do this. And then eventually it, you, you hit the price of maybe 70. And you say, well, I'm going to wait for 75, and then it goes down to, to 45. Like, oh, I should have sold it. How many times have people said, I should have, I should have, I should have? That's why we have our discipline of sticking that target price. We came up with a reason why to do it. Whatever your reason is for doing it, if you have sound reasons, stick to it. But if you're just moving the price up because you don't want to sell it. And you like it. And you like it or love it, that's not a good thing to do. So, all righty, phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Gosh, I look at the clock. It's like 10 till 10 already. I thought it was like longer than like an hour. But uh, let's head out to Temecula and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, hey, look, I'm going to stick with the REITs if we could. I'm looking at uh, STAG, S T A G, um, and it's an industrial REIT. Um, I was kind of looking at it when it was down to 29, and it's already moved up to 34, so I've kind of lost a little bit, but I still like it at its current price. Okay. And um, and I like the space as well. Yeah, and the nice thing is I am getting numbers on this. Sometime on, on you said it was you said it was a REIT, you said, or an ETF? Uh, REIT. REIT, yeah, okay. REIT. Okay, so it is a REIT. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, yep. The REIT is a STAG Industrial Incorporated, symbol is STAG, and I'm presuming that their real estate is on manufacturing-type buildings or something, or industrial buildings, I guess, I guess is what they're in. So I, I don't think we've looked at this before, so I'm kind of excited about it. Have we no, looked at this? Case? I don't think so. I don't think so, yeah. So, And I, I, I do have to say, I think the industrial play is now maybe over because a lot of people have been at this party already, but we'll just take a look at numbers here. Uh, we do see a P-E ratio 26 versus not material for the industry. Price of sales, very expensive, 11.3 versus 2.7. Price to book value, 2 versus 1.7. And price of cash flow, 13.1. That's about half the industry at 25. Now, they do pay a good dividend of 4.2%, but they use 100 
and 12% of their earnings to pay that out. Sales are up 19% year over year. Industry down 16.8. Earnings per share climbed by 282 when the issue was down 255. So I'm liking what I'm seeing so far here. Uh, we see no current ratio versus 0.5 for the industry. Debt to equity looking good, 63 versus 272. Return to equity, 8.1 versus a negative 7.7. Net profit margin, 23. No, I'm, I'm sorry, no, 42.8 uh, versus 19.12 negative. And receivable turnover, 7.1 versus 5.6. These numbers are looking a little bit too crazy for me. I'm going to guess. I've not seen the numbers. I'm guessing this, this read is overpriced, but you go ahead and you give me what you got. You're wrong. I'm wrong. Okay, well, it's, it was it's, a guess. I guess wrong. That's why you don't guess with investing. It's it's fairly priced, and I'll, I'll tell you why okay. in a second. But current price is $34.20. 52-week high is $34.70, and 52-week low is $20.64. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated funds from operation again, FFO, $2.07. Gives us a target sell price of $34.36. So, as I said, current price is $34.20. It's slightly undervalued, but that's why I said it's, yeah, it's like 14 cents. It's not overvalued. That's why I said it's <laughs> it's fairly valued. So I know you said you liked it around 29 there originally, John. I, I'd agree with you there. Uh, current price. I mean, watch it. I, I like the debt level. I'm guessing maybe since their profit margin is so high, maybe they do the, the triple net lease where they kind of have less liability in terms of their yeah. tenants and the tenants take on a little more responsibility. Uh, that generally helps with the bottom line. But, I mean, it, it seems to be a, a good industrial play. You might be able to kind of watch it and, and have that on a wish list for you if it, if it gets a pullback. But uh, as we kind of say, we don't like to buy things near the 52-week high, and it is really, really close, obviously, to that, that target sell price. Yeah. So time to sell there. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's located. Uh, I haven't bought it yet, unfortunately. Like oh. I said, I, I looked at 29 and just let it sit there, and now it's gone up to 34, so unfortunately. But uh, – um anyway so hey you guys we're talking about boots just a quick story on that boots alliance so in in the uk and some other countries actually they are just pretty much like a rite aid or a cvs or what have you but they're they're in malls and so they're the mall based smaller stores they're not like our huge you know six thousand square foot you know uh retail um pharmacies out here so it's just a little bit smaller space interesting I've only been in Europe a couple of times, and, and, and the feeling I got, and again, I, I didn't tour everything and so forth. I, I, it's different over there than here because it's, you know, we have these big malls and so forth. They, they still have smaller things. So because at first you think, oh, yep. they're in malls. That's not good. Well, their malls are different than they're here. They don't have, I, at least that I could see, like a 100-store mall. They, they would have like smaller little places. And maybe, you know, it was in Italy, Greece and stuff, and um, – my feeling was it's different. Don't think that they had the same mall problem, I think, that we have here. So I, I'm glad you brought that up there, uh, yeah. John. Uh, yeah, I was, I was curious about that as well, John, just because I was like, huh, I, I've never heard of Boots Alliance, and yeah. uh, I guess now we know. So is that the equivalent of a yeah, shopping so. center, basically, or not really in terms of, like, the size of those malls in Europe or no? Everything that I no. saw, yeah, this is, like, older. Yeah, there's – yeah. <laughs> yep. Like a, they call them a high street in like the UK and and some other things where it's like the old maybe downtown shopping center center or they've done some new malls but you're right it's maybe 20 stores right versus yeah. 100 stores yeah yeah it's just not the same feeling and and I guess maybe it's time for me to go back to Europe and kind of walk around a little bit again and kind of get feeling with it but 
I, I just, it's different. It's so different there than it is here. I just hate flying, so I, I don't want to go to Europe. You can take a, take a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that either. I'm I can see sick. Yeah. John, thank you very much. All right. Take have care, a, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that and I was kind of hoping, well, I mean, I'm wrong here because, again, I know the thing is, right now, we're not buying a whole lot, but I think we're still, I'm going to guess, 80 to 85% invested for people that have been with us for a long time. I know yeah. my, our, my portfolio I've been doing for a long time. You know, about 80, 85 percent invested, but we can't find anything to buy new money coming in. We're being very patient because you don't want to just jump in and invest money, just to invest money. So um, very, very difficult. We've got I'm, two minutes. Yeah, because I, I, I wanted to go to Jim and Alpine or Jeff in San Diego. Uh, sorry, guys, we only got two minutes. So please call back next week. We, we, we do want to get uh, oh, oh, one more stuff about AMC. I, I'm kind of curious on that one. I wish we had time to do that because I know they're they're part of the. The Reddit. Reddit stocks. The yeah. Reddit rage yeah, is what I'm going to yeah. call it. And I would love to see what the company looks like, the business. And it's so funny because we didn't have GameStop report earnings what past week. <laughs> and it went down initially. Yeah. And then they, they got rid of board members. And, oh, wow, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. They're firing the board. Well, the board, they didn't fire him. But they, they, they quit. Eight, eight out of the ten board members, which is normally the stock would drop 50%. Uh, and this guy, I forget his name, from Chewy. Yeah, well, uh, Cohen what, or something. Yeah, what is he? I, well, first of all, I started a pet store, which I guess uh, again an right. online, online pet store. Pet store. You so know. yeah, what am I thinking? Yeah. So, but but it is different because everybody loves their pets and they're looking for better ways to do things. But with technology, you I mean, know, I, I think GameStop's games. such a niche because the, there are some people that really enjoy right. kind of like I don't say con- there's they have a lot of like kind of older like right. kind of valuable stuff right. like that. But I don't see how e-commerce is going to kind of help that right. niche yeah. consumer. Chase, I got to cut you off because you don't have much time. And I, I want to promote the workshop one more time because a friend just gave me We'll talk more about GameStop. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I do want to talk more about it. But I just want to remind you the workshop is going to be uh, it's a live workshop Thursday, April 8th, 6 o'clock. Uh, Al, uh, Al Smith Brewery uh, right off of Miramar Road. We're going to be talking about all the things we talk about here. Uh, and again, you're going to learn a lot about true fundamental investing. We're going to talk about target prices. We're going to talk about things you shouldn't be doing, maybe things you've done that we can get you out of beforehand uh, by just you understanding about true fundamental investing. The workshop is free. It is going to be 6 o'clock, again, April 8th, Al Smith Brewery. Uh, seating is limited, so please sign up soon. You can go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. There's the closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey, or Chase Wilsey at 858 858- 546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information, long investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase. We'll see today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.